is good, amen? Amen, amen. Well, as Angelica said this morning, welcome. Welcome to Hillside. Uh, we're family here. Uh, this is one big, giant family. Um, this is one big house uh, for this big family. And so uh, let's just, let's give the Lord a hand clap because this is his house. Yeah, amen. Well, I have a few cool uh, announcements for us this morning. Uh, so I want to draw your attention to your programs. Um, I'm not going to go over all of them, but we have some really big events that are coming up. Uh, so I want to go over those in just, a, in just a second. But first I want to draw your attention to this yellow piece of paper. Uh, we as a body, we have an opportunity uh, to really impact not only this community as a whole, but we get to impact this school uh, that we've been meeting in for 12 years. And we've been partnering with Sunnyside Elementary School and the North Clackamas School District for a few years now doing Backpack Buddies. And if you don't know anything about Backpack Buddies, uh, we have students uh, in this Happy Valley, Clackamas area uh, who they don't have anything. Um, sometimes they wear the same pairs of clothes the entire week at school because they don't have anything. Uh, and when they go home over the weekend, the only food they get to eat during the week is what they eat here at the elementary school. And sometimes they go home and they don't have food over the weekend. And so this is a problem, and, and the church wants to be uh, a remedy. And, and, and we have the opportunity to help out in this. And it's Backpack Buddies. What we do is we make meals uh, that go home with the kids for the weekend so they have food to eat with their family uh, on the weekend. And, and in years past, we've done as many as 60 lunches for, for here at Clackamas, and we also do them um, at the Wichita Family Service Center. So if this is something, if this is pulling on your heartstrings, or even if it's not pulling on your heartstrings, you're just looking for something good to do, uh, this is a great opportunity to serve and invest in people's lives. Uh, and it's simple. It's synonymous, or you can say, hey, I'm bringing Cobb Ramen. But uh, we have a garbage can in the back. Uh, it's a receptacle uh, where we are putting all of the food. Yeah, you got to be careful how you say those things. Um, but, but we have a receptacle in the back where we are putting uh, all these. So if, if that's something that you would like to do, this breaks down everything we need, everything the school is looking for. Uh, if you want to let us know that you're doing that, uh, you can just write your name, put your email address on this, and then you can turn it in in the back uh, after service. We'll have a bucket there, and, and one of our interns will be there, and you can uh, do that. Or maybe you don't know this week, you got to think about it. Come next week with this filled out. Drop it in the offering bucket as those go through us, and we can really impact this community together. Amen? Awesome. A few other community-wide events that we're going to be doing. We have the Redemptive Response to, the, uh, to Homosexuality. Uh, this is a seminar that's going on October 15th uh, at Milwaukee Christian Church. All the information is in here in the program. We have a men's mini-conference called Men of Valor. Uh, this is going to be super cool. Uh, we have some awesome speakers. It's going to be at the Monarch Hotel on December 3rd. Uh, and we have a week of prayer and fasting coming up. Uh, October 30th through November 6th. It's going to be a big worship and prayer service that we're doing here. Uh, so just stay tuned to our Facebook page. Uh, if, if you get the e-newsers, make sure you're looking at the e-newsers. And all the rest of the information is going to be in here this morning. And the last announcement I have, actually I have two. So uh, second to last is next week, directly following service, we're going to have a missing uh, kind of briefing where uh, our missions team is going to be breaking down our missions trip to Chile this upcoming uh, spring break. So if you're interested in that at all, we have applications, we have passport stuff, all the good stuff. Uh, you want to come and be a part and impact uh, the nation of Chile. Uh, Hillside Christian Church is going to be doing some cool things. So Adam, raise your hand. Dan, raise your hand. These two awesome people, uh, they're going to be helping lead that meeting. So uh, if you want information, Christian service yet, but we'll talk to you in the after service briefly, and then we'll have all the information next week. And then lastly, I have over here, 
this really cool piece of apparel. We have Hillside Christian Fellowship swag uh, that's saved with amazing grace. Uh, and no, we have some really cool clothing uh, to wear, and we're selling it in the back. So if you want to go to the back table afterwards, we have hoodies. Josh, stand up. You got one of the hoodies on. He's a model up here in the front. We have uh, we have some nice T-shirts, some long sleeve T-shirts. Uh, make sure you go back there and you can rep the church uh, out and about during the week. Amen. Amen. Testing one two. I'm on. Good morning, everybody. How we doing? You guys look great on a Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. I'm doing amazing. I really am. The Lord is living. He's alive. Hallelujah. Praise God. We have, uh, well, let me just say it this way. Matt, thanks for praying uh, for the churches of North Clackamas. Um, we, we miss Spring Mountain, so we're going to take a Spring Mountain real quick, too. Uh, and we also have uh, Freedom House with us this morning, a phenomenal ministry helping men. So let's just say, hey, let's thank those guys. Uh, it's, it's an excellent ministry, Jim. It's just great to have you guys here. Let's, let's continue to pray and just pray God's blessing, not only on Spring Mountain, but on Freedom House as well. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are moving. You are moving in the body of Christ. And we thank you for Spring Mountain. And we thank you for Daniel Meadows, the pastor there and the body of believers. We ask God your blessing on them. We thank you for Jim and his dear wife. And we ask God that you would bless the ministry of Freedom House. And God, you would use this intensive discipleship to bring about complete deliverance from Jesus' name, from those things that uh, hold men fast to sin. Break the chains in the name of Jesus. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen. Uh, yeah. It's good to be in the house of God. I've been uh, inspired this entire week, uh, really probably in an inordinate large amount over the last couple of weeks. Genesis is one of those books that is near and dear to my heart. I've uh, probably from the very onset of being a follower of Christ, uh, Genesis was kind of that favorite book of mine. And uh, so just endeavoring into the study again has just been super, super rewarding for me on a personal level. Um, it was interesting, we were praying uh, this morning and prayer in service this morning as well, and just thinking about the things that Christ has done for us. The things that Christ has done for us. He's provided life, and we will live forever. I'm going to worship you forever. I'm going to worship you. That's what we sang, and we are. And it's interesting because in the portion of Scripture that we're at today, in Genesis chapter 4, we see two sons of Adam and Eve, and we, we have a narrative that gives us just the amount of information that we need. In my personal study, and I, I don't get to teach and preach all of the superfluous information that I get to read and study. But it is very interesting to me that the oral traditions of the rabbis that has been recorded now, in fact it was recorded by scribes 
thousands of years ago in Aramaic. It's called the Targumim. And the Targumim are really a number of resources that the rabbis would use to expound on the Pentateuch or the Torah, these truths and teachings. And it's interesting to note that we have in our portion of scripture, scripture, the first five verses of chapter 4, that they were eventually out in a field. And it's there in the field that Cain rises up against his brother Abel and slew him. In the Targum of Jonathan and in the Targum of Jerusalem, there is an expansion on what that conversation was. Now, it's extra biblical. We can't say for sure that this is what was transpiring. But it's interesting to note that Cain, in his communication with his brother Abel, said that things aren't as they seem because there seems to be partiality with man. That's why your offering was accepted and mine was not. And the dialogue went on. Abel corrected his brother, and then the dialogue continued, and Cain said, in fact, there is no judgment and no judge and no life after this life. And Cain corrected him, I mean, and Abel corrected him again and said, no, there is a judge, there is judgment, and there is life after this life. And in the process of this conversation, it accelerated as Cain rose up and took his life. And you can see the deception that the enemy, if in fact that dialogue is accurate, that the enemy wants all people to believe that there is no judge, there is no judgment, and there is no life after this life. But in fact, there is. And Jesus has made it possible for you and I to live in eternity with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so, I'm just so very thrilled. We get to worship the Lord forever. Some people say, does that mean we're going to stand in a choir and be singing in heaven the entire time? Some people might say, well, I have a hard time doing that for 25 minutes on a Sunday morning. How am I going to do that for eternity? Remember that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing to the church in Rome, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you offer your lives as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to the Lord, for this is your reasonable service. In other translations, that phrase, reasonable service, is translated, this is your spiritual worship. How we live our lives is our worship unto the Lord. And in heaven, we're reminded, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. It has not entered into the mind of man what God has in store for those who love him. And so I can assure you, heaven is going to be a wonderful place. And our worship will be us living for eternity in his presence. So praise the Lord. Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 4. We are in the... Uh, first five verses of this book, and uh, we'll, we'll identify a couple of observations. And while you're turning there, I do want to just take a moment and uh, uh, bring clarity to a comment that I made two weeks ago. If you were in church two weeks ago, I made a statement in relationship to Adam and his wife. And uh, in that study, we were looking at the fall of man as a doctrine, and 
I made the statement and I asked the question to the wives in the room, uh, how many of you wives would just absolutely love to have a husband who preferred you? And the implication may have sounded as though preferred you over the Lord and chose you over God. But that's not what I was implying. I was implying that Adam chose Eve over himself. Does that make sense? He did not consider his own estate, if you will, and he chose to be in sin with his wife. He had preference for her over himself. And this is the interesting part, because Romans tell us that Adam is a type of him who was to come. Jesus did not consider his first estate, but he became sin for his bride that through his offering he might redeem her. And I just think that's, it is amazing. It really is. Now, that doesn't denote the fact that he was disobedient to God. And as a result of that, we're all sinners. The point I was trying to make is wives would certainly appreciate if husbands would consider their wives over themselves. Right, ladies? Yeah, I got, a, I got one amen right here in the front. Dan, you better get working, brother. <laughs> All right, newlyweds. <laughs> okay, we're in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. And she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain, had an, or Cain brought an offering of the fruits of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry countenance fell. Father, in the next few moments, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, I pray, Lord, that you would inspire us, challenge us, and help us to live our lives by faith, by faith. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's message title would be Justification by Faith. Justification by faith. A couple of observations in our text. We have the first mention of sex in the Bible. And I think it's keen that God uses twofold. Number one, it says that Adam knew his wife. the relationship of intimacy in the context of marriage is beautiful. Outside of the context of marriage, it is sin. Period. Can I get an amen? Amen. I think that's beautiful. Secondly, that word to know. He knew her. There is an intimacy that is revealed there. In this world, and because of our adversary, the devil, he has tried to corrupt 
every good thing that God has given as gift to man. This world makes a relationship between a man and a woman somehow dirty. Now, it is sin, not in its proper context, but in the marriage context, it's a beautiful thing. And I think it's tender that the Lord would utilize that phraseology, an intimate term, if you will. She conceived and bore a son, Cain. And it's interesting that by her response, I have acquired a man of the Lord. It would be indicative, and most theologians would hold that she likely perceived that this was the promised deliverer. Cain would be the promised deliverer. She was setting herself up for a broken heart, as you and I know the story. I will also note that some theologians believe that Cain and Abel were twins because Cain, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore a son, Cain, and then Abel, there's no indi indication that there was the knowing and the conception, so the possibility of twins. It, it's not relevant, uh, but it's interesting. Uh, her response, I've received a man from the Lord, could imply potentially that she had already had other children that were all daughters. And we don't know. And we certainly know that Adam and Eve had many sons and many daughters. And that answers some of these questions that agnostics often ask, like where did Cain get a wife that he would take to the land of Nod, if you will? Well, at this time it was his sister. And at this time it was okay. God later declares that there are certain generations where you've abstained from marrying in your own family. Uh, so Abel is also born. Then we go right into this, really the second sentence. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. The word now there, which we don't have the details, indicates time has passed. We know he's not an infant tending sheep. So some time has passed, and we don't know how much time. But he is a keeper of sheep. He's a shepherd. And Cain was a tiller of the ground. He was working the soil. He was a farmer. And in the process of time, so now we know there was a distinction of time, in the process of time, the two of them bring offerings to the Lord. Extra biblical targum tells us that the oral teachings were that in the process of time actually says it this way. process of time on the 14th of Nisan. It's interesting that the oral teachings would identify a date 
associated with when they came to present their offering. Um, it is noteworthy that we in, in America and in kind of the European countries, we have a Western mindset. And our Western mindset is uh, in relating to prophecy, our Western mindset sees prediction and fulfillment as how prophecy works. But in an Eastern mindset, when they consider prophecy, they look for patterns. Patterns. And if that is the case, it's just interesting to me that the Targum, that oral teaching of this event, would reference the 14th of Nisan long before you and I would understand what the 14th of Nisan and its significance in the Passover, in the Exodus, when they slew the lamb for the family and they found the covering, if you will, atonement with the blood over the doorpost. And so even later up into Jesus' time. So we see a potential pattern there. But let me note this also, and let's pause for just a moment. In the process of time, Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. To the Lord. But that, that phrase, to the Lord, comes from um, potentially chapter 3, when after Adam and Eve had sinned, the scripture tells us that God himself placed, he placed cherubim at the entrance to the garden where the tree of life is. The word there for and he placed is in the, or in the Hebrew, uh, shikan. It's in the Old Testament 128 times. 92 of those 128 times, it is translated to dwell or dwelt or tabernacled. And a little bit about the language of Hebrew, it's stem in its verbal translation is in the hifil, and the hifil tells us that the one who is saying it is the one who was doing it. So the action applies to the one who is speaking. And that would be indicating that God himself tabernacled at the entrance. Now, whether that's an accurate understanding or not, it is also mentioned in the Targum that way. And certainly the verbal translation of the Word of God would concur with that. It says this in the Targum, And the Lord God removed him from the Garden of Eden, and he went and dwelt on Mount Moriah to cultivate the ground from which he had been created. And this is Adam and Eve. And he drove the man from thence, where he had made to dwell the glory of his Shekinah at the first between the two cherubim. And the Shekinah glory of the Lord denotes his dwelling, the presence of God being there. And if this is actually accurate, again, it's from the Targum, and it's extra biblical, but it would mean that God himself resided amidst the two cherubim at the doorway to the tree of life. 
And in the process of time, Adam, or excuse me, Abel and Cain were bringing their offerings to the Lord. Him there. This would also help us to understand in many regards how these young men would have known whether or not their gifts were accepted in the immediacy. Perhaps verbally, perhaps visually, perhaps physically, like we would have at least six different occasions in the Old Testament where either fire rained down from heaven or fire came up from the rock where the offerings had been made. And so all that to say, we come to the statement that these two brought offerings. But there's this distinction between the offerings. You see, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament tells us by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. Hebrews 11 verse 4 says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. Abel exercised faith. An expression of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 defines faith for us. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the unseen. The substance of things hoped for. Hebrews 11.6 reminds us, without faith it's impossible to please God. That has implication for you and I. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Abel, by faith, offered a more excellent gift, and it was regarded, if you will. One might ask the question, how is faith obtained? Well, to each one, a measure of faith has been given. To everyone sitting in this room, a measure of faith has been given. But the scripture tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, if you want to strengthen your faith in God, spend time in the word of God. What does Jesus say? The truth will what? The truth shall set you free. When we believe the word of God, it's faith. It's faith. Now, Abel apparently heard the word of God. Just as Abraham later, Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Abel, his offering was accepted, it was by faith, and he received the witness from the Lord and was declared righteous. Romans chapter 4 tells us that righteousness is imputed upon man through faith. And so we have Abel expressing faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Abel's offering hints to some information that he had. And why I say that, and I believe this, 
is because not only did he bring by faith, by faith the firstling of his flock, it says, and their fat. How would he have known to bring their fat if he did not have some information? I believe, conjecture, we don't have it in text, but I believe that what God did for Adam and Eve in chapter 3, he made clothing for them out of the skins of animals. He shed innocent blood and made coverings. He atoned also, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And I believe that he established a right way of worship and atonement for sin. And Abel believed God. And therefore he, by faith, obeyed the prescription and brought the offering before the Lord. He believed God. And like Abraham, it was credited to him as righteousness. Incidentally, that phrase, and their and the fat thereof, or their fat. A little later, that is established as the law. In Leviticus chapter 3, verse 16, we find that the fat belongs to the Lord. That would also show us again that there's an establishment of a pattern. If it was, in fact, the 14th of Nisan, later, Moses and the children of Israel in captivity in Egypt... It was on the 14th of Nisan that they offered the first Passover lambs and they came out of Egypt in the Exodus. Then some years later, Jesus, on the day of Passover, was crucified. It's interesting to note, that's a pattern. It's interesting to note that on the 17th of Nisan, he rose from the dead and made it possible for new life. How interesting that just a few short chapters away from us in Genesis, we'll see the ark that Noah and his family were in during the flood rested on Mount Ararat on the 17th day of the seventh month, which later became the first month, which is the month of Nisan. Again, you see an establishment of pattern. So, you say, well, TB... What does that have to do with you and me? <laughs> what does it mean to you and me? Bottom line, Abel believed God, and he acted in faith. He believed God, and he acted in faith. He obtained witness from the Lord as a result. God declared that he was righteous. Paul reminds us in his letters to the Galatians, let me read this verse from Galatians, Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by faith. That is, righteousness imputed on us by faith in Jesus Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. What does that, what does that mean to you and me? 
only in my 33 years of knowing the Lord, but certainly in the last 20 years of pastoring, in my own personal life, trying to somehow receive more favor from God, I have sought to employ works in my life that I think would be well-pleasing to the Lord with the intent that somehow God is going to hear my prayers more, maybe answer my prayers more, somehow my circumstances might change if I'm living right in a better way, and trying to take my works, the work of my hands, and atone for or make better my relationship with God. I just want you to know that's blasphemy. It doesn't work. You and I, we cannot gain favor because we already have all of God's favor. We already have it all. We have it all. And that's in my own personal life. I know that I have cried. I mean, when heaven has been quiet and I've been praying, I think, oh, God, surely what am I doing wrong? And then I begin to evaluate, and I think, oh, if I just do this, if I read my Bible more, or if I pray longer, or if I do this, do this, do this, and it becomes the work, work, work. When he wants us to rest in him. The work, what did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. It's finished. We have justification by faith. God sees you and me. If your faith is in Jesus Christ today, God sees us just if I'd never sinned. That's liberty. That's freedom. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. What is the Word of God? It's interesting to note that Jesus Christ refers to Abel as a prophet. Luke chapter 11, verses 50 and 51. In fact, let me read those. I didn't put them in my notes. I can't read them. You'll have to read them on your own. But he refers to, he refers to the blood of all the prophets being on the heads of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He says, beginning with the blood of righteous Abel all the way to the blood of Zechariah will be held on this generation. Jesus calls Abel a prophet. Abel's prophesying. Abel the prophet offered a more excellent sacrifice. Whose sacrifice was respected. This sacrifice is, in fact, prophetic. A lamb whose blood was shed points to the lamb whose blood was shed from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, what did he say? Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's the word of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of the Lord. 
faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Listen, if you believe that, you put your faith in Christ, you will be born again. And you will be justified by your faith. It is by grace you have been saved, what? Through faith. This not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we are invited to believe God, to exercise, exercise our faith by believing God. Now, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 23, this is a great scripture. It says this, and this is His command. So here is the Word of the Lord. This is His command. It's the Word of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. This is the word of God. He says, and this is his command, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4 says it this way. There is no name given under heaven and earth whereby man must be saved, saving Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Exercising our faith in him and what he did upon the cross of Calvary, shedding his blood, that we might be saved. Now, to the majority of you sitting in the room, this is not new news. It is definitively good news. Can I get an amen? It is the good news. Faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation. No other name. So why would we take a moment on a Sunday morning, the first part of October, leading into the fall, we're in Genesis chapter 4, we're looking at two lies, one who brought an offering by faith and then conceived another that was unaccepted. It was the work of his hands. The classic work and faith. Why would, why would we talk about it to a, the church, a familiar group who understands it? Everyone in here knows someone who does not know the Lord. You have your story of how you came to faith. You believed God. You believed the word of the Lord. You believed the commandments to trust and believe in his name. Great Commission is for us to go and convey that message. And because we're still here, our assignment is not done. There may be someone or someones sitting here right now whose faith has not been exercised because they've not believed the word of the Lord as yet. the truth of the Word of God gives opportunity to believe, to put your faith in that. In just a moment, we're going to be coming to the communion table together as a body. Before we come to the communion table, I would like to give opportunity to that one or perhaps several that may be here this morning who have not yet expressed faith and you would like to put your faith, you want to believe and declare your belief in the Lord. So what I'd like to do this morning is ask
that every, everyone would just simply close your eyes for a moment and bow your head with me. It's a solemn moment. It's an opportunity for you to respond to the Lord. It's an expression of faith. But if you're here this morning and your faith has not been in Jesus Christ, you hear the message and you believe Jesus Christ died upon the cross at Calvary, shed his blood for your sins, to make atonement for your sins, to cover your sins, so that God no longer sees you in condemnation in your sin, but rather justified by faith in his son Jesus Christ, and that shed blood. And your sin is atoned for. And you'd say, yes, that's me. I want to be included, and I want to make that declaration. If that is you this morning, and you're sitting here, and you say, I want to be born again. I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. Would you indicate that to me and to the Lord simply by raising your hand where you are and say, remember me this morning when you pray. Is there any here who'd say yes to the Lord? I see that hand. God bless you. Is there another? You'd say yes to the Lord. I'm just going to give a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second question. Maybe you've committed your life to the Lord. Maybe you've been striving to live right and you've been struggling with because you're trying to use your works to somehow gain God's favor, and you realize the futility of your own works. And you realize, I cannot gain any favor. I already have God's favor. And you'd simply like to say, I would like to rest in the Lord and simply live for the glory of God and not strive in my living in that regard. If that's you and you'd say, I just want that liberty in the Lord. Will you simply indicate that by raising your hand and say, remember me? Yeah, lots of hands. Amen. Amen. I invite you to pray with me for a moment. Father, this morning, your word says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our hearts that, God, you raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When the children of Israel heard the message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and they were cut to the heart and they said brethren what should we do what must we do to be saved Peter said repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for those who've raised their hand that one who has said yes I want to be born again I want to know that I'm born again we simply declare together, Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's say it together. Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, by a statement of faith, we say we repent of our sinful ways. We turn to that one. It's just I'm turning from my former way, and I want to live my life by faith, faith in Jesus Christ. For those of us who have sought to, by our efforts, somehow gain favor, from you, God. Open our eyes that we would realize that we cannot gain any more favor. We all
already have all of your favor. We have your love. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We are blessed with believing Abraham. You, God, are our exceedingly great reward and our shield. We have all of the promises of God, our yes and amen in him. And so, Lord, not that we would live to please ourselves, but that we would simply walk by faith, not by sight. And in so doing, we would walk in obedience to that which you have already laid out for us for your glory and for your namesake. And so, Lord, will you equip us? Will you empower us? Will you teach us? Help us to be more than overcomers through Christ. Let us live our lives not for victory, but from the position of victory. For you have defeated our adversary already. And so, God, help us to live that way, not that we would obtain victory, but that we would walk in the victory that you have already provided for us. So, God, help us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said a strong amen. 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 There was the one who raised her hand. I believe it's a recommitment. And we'll, we'll just rejoice and we'll say praise the Lord this morning. For those of us who are going to walk in that newness, we say praise the Lord. And in the next few moments, we're going to come to the communion table. And let's just seal those things with the Lord. Let's do this in remembrance of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He identified with us. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thanks be to the Lord. I'm going to invite Pastor Dennis to come. I'm going to invite our elders to come. They're going to be serving us communion this morning. And how we will do this is they will be stationed up in front, kind of one, two, three, and four. And uh, and invite you from where you are to, in a moment, you'll stand and you'll make your way kind of to these two center aisles. And just so we can spread out and receive. And then take these emblems, the bread and the juice, back to your seats. And take a few moments because the scripture encourages us to not receive the emblems in an unworthy manner. Listen, if there is some sin in your life and you know of the sin in your life. And the Lord is convicting your hearts in relationship to the sin. Will you confess your sin to the Lord? Will you repent of that sin? And in this time of listening to the Lord, if He brings something to you, maybe you'll remember and recall that you have something against another brother. Or maybe that a brother or sister has something against you. Will you make a covenant with God that you will go and be restored to your brother or sister? Because God wants us to be rightly related to one another. Amen? Amen. I invite you to stand with me, and if this time you would make your way to the center aisles and come forward, we receive an open communion. If you've received Christ, come and receive. Again, this is a public declaration of your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. Please hold the emblems until you can we can take them together in just a few moments.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Dennis and I are going to share a few thoughts in relationship to communion. We'll partake together. Pastor Dennis. It was over 2,000 years ago when Jesus was there with his disciples and he took the bread and the wine and he said he wants us to remember which was something that would be happening to him a few hours later. His body would be broken and torn for each and every one of us and his blood would be shed like Abel. But this would bring redemption and give us the opportunity to have life, eternal life. So 2,000 years, a little bit more, we get this opportunity. And people perhaps all around the world today or sometime that are believers take the time to remember the symbolic of the bread and the wine. So today we get to do the same. And we don't want to take it in vain. We want to remember yes. the brokenness of Christ for us, for our sin. So this morning, Father, we, we thank you for Jesus. I think of the song that says, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And it was at Calvary that he paid it all. But as he spoke to his disciples, we speak today the same words where he says, remember this. And he wants us to. So as we take this bread, which symbolizes the broken body of Christ, let us take this. Let us eat this in remembrance. Stand with me this morning. After dinner, on that last Passover meal that Jesus partook with his disciples, the meal that he had been longing to partake with them, it was the third cup of the Seder meal, known as the cup of redemption. Jesus there declared that it represented the new covenant, not in the covenant and the law of the Torah with the shedding of the blood of bulls and rams, but rather the new covenant in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, who said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant. Not in the shed blood of bulls and rams, but in the shed blood of the one and only begotten of the Father, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Redemption. No name given under heaven and earth whereby man must be saved, save in Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for your great plan of salvation. Jesus, 
Thank you for your obedience. You did not consider your first estate. You humbled yourself and took on flesh to become our kin eternally different in that you became man to identify with your bride, your future bride, the church. You made propitiation for her that she would be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. And so today we remember as the church and we say thank you for the new covenant in your shed blood. It is by grace we have been saved through faith. Through faith. Thank you, Lord, that we have been justified by faith. And righteousness, your righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, has been imputed to us. We give you thanks today. If your faith is in Jesus and you are a willing participant in the new covenant, will you join with me this morning in drinking of the cup of redemption? Hallelujah. 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 This week, as we go from this place, we enter into his mission field. We carry around in these earthen vessels the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we have been commissioned by him, given authority by him, to take this message of redemption to all men. May the Lord lead us, guide us to those whom he has chosen, those whom he has foreknown, that we might communicate the love of God, broadcasting the good seed, that it might fall on soil and come and produce a harvest, some 30, 60, 100-fold. God, be glorified. We love you. We praise you. We ask your benediction as we go from this place. Be glorified. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Go in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Have an amazing week in Jesus.